Happy holidays from the Idea Fountain. I'm Julie Pilot, and this is Season 5, Creators. We continue today with Caroline Damore, and this episode is called Remix. Some people may call doing a major career and lifestyle change a 180, but for all intent and purposes, today we're talking to a legendary DJ, and we're calling the move a remix. On Instagram, at The Idea Fountain, we've been posting holiday shopping ideas based off of recent episodes. You can get books like The Art and Science of Influence from John Levy, Gall's 2022 Astrology Guide, and Anik Khan also just released his book on immigration. I love Liz Hernandez and Wordiful uh, just put out a new board game that I gifted some people. Julie Hove has fabulous holiday herbal tinctures to support your health and well-being. And today, I'm going to give you the coolest, easiest, most unexpected gift. Caroline Demore is a massive DJ, model, mom, and the boss behind Pizza Girl Pasta Sauce. You can order it online or head to Air One or Bristol Farms and just pick up a bottle. Slap a ribbon on that baby, maybe a bow, and it's the perfect last-minute gift. I did it, and it's not even a secret. If you're getting one, you're lucky. Caroline and I recently met at a Christmas party, and I was blown away by her story, so I had to dig deeper. I hope you enjoy. I-D-E-A-F-O-U-N-E-A-I-N This is the Idea Fountain. Life-changing conversations. I love that you're a new friend, although we have been like in the same orbit for a while. And I was telling you this the other night at dinner, that when we first launched Beats Music, and I was ahead of music at Beats, we had Suja's company. I always feel a little weird saying scam artist for people who don't know. I mean, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a scam artist. And they're like, what? What are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, oh. I mean, if you know, we have a friend named Sujit Kundu who has an artist management company that, you know, manages some of the biggest DJs in the world, but his company is called Scam Artists. And originally at Beats, because he's got the biggest DJs in the world, they were curators and all the DJs would make playlists. You made this incredible playlist. Even though we never met, it has been in my phone and a part of my life for the last eight years. And oh it was God. Caroline Demore's 90s trip hop to drink wine and wine to mix. I just got the chills because I remember making that and I had so much fun and it was just, yeah, it was just going to be like me all the way through with that and whoever liked it, liked it. And that's so cool that you actually like felt it, you know? It's unbelievable how music can become a, some, a, a part of somebody's life in such yep. a serious way. And I mean, this is a good mix from Massive Attack to Portishead, Sneaker Pimps, Radiohead, Tricky, DJ Shadow, Thievery Corporation. So first and foremost, thank you for that. Of course, yes. But I want to hear a little bit more about your journey and how we got to now. You grew up in L.A. Did you grow up in Malibu? So I grew up, so I was born in the Valley. Um, and then my dad, I got into a little bit of trouble in uh, seventh grade. I was in, um, you know, I, I had a bit of a 
rough start. My mom passed away when I was five. My poor father was stuck with four little girls all by himself and just didn't have, you know, tons of babysitter money or any of that stuff. So we were kind of like legit latchkey kids, like just kind of like raising ourselves while dad was at work and it's not his fault. You know, it was just like trying to, trying to keep up with the crazy stuff that happened in our lives and early on. And um, so I got into, I was a little bit of a bad kid in school, always ditching, you know, sneaking out, going to raves, just had such a love for music, but also partying. Um, and I, I remember seventh grade, I had like, you know, bad kids school every weekend. And it was like, yeah, it was full on. And then my dad was like, that's it. I'm getting you out of here. Um, and moved us to Malibu. Um, little did he know that was like way worse. No. <laughs> Just more that. money, more problems. Yep, more money, more problems, more access to things, more just parents being gone. I was like, oh, so it's not just my dad that's gone all the time. It's like everyone's parents <laughs> in Malibu. Um, so it was kind of just like a free for all. And we all just like do parties and we're totally insane. Um, but yeah, so he moved me to Malibu to try to like, you know, move the kid, you know. Um, and that was, yeah, seventh grade on, I lived in Malibu and my dad opened uh, two Demore's pizzas out there. And, you know, I had to work if I wanted money and I would deliver pizzas and do, you know, we would deliver to um, Pepperdine, me and my girlfriend. And then like all these cute college boys would like answer the door, like invite us in, you know, offer us to smoke bowls. And then we forgot that there's like other pizzas in the car that need to be delivered. So, yeah. It's so wild to me that always talking to people that grew up in LA, especially somewhere like Malibu or Beverly Hills, because I'll never forget once um, one of my girlfriends, I grew up in Seattle. Uh, she was down here visiting and the Sunset Strip Music Festival was going on and she wasn't associated with music at all. And we were walking down the street and we ran into Steve Aoki. And then I was telling her, like, you know, his history and how, you know, his family had the business of Benihana's and stuff like that. And then we walked a little bit more and we ran into Cisco and Nick Adler, right? Yep. And then yep. I was explaining to her how, you know, Lou Adler basically started the Sunset Strip. And she looked at me and she said, when we were growing up, if you were at a birthday party, it'd be like, ah, Susie's dad works at Boeing or is a firefighter. <laughs> Funny is Cisco Adler was my first boyfriend, uh, and, and Nick's little brother, and of course my first like venues that I could get into and sneak into were on the rocks in the Roxy, and I actually played the Sunset Strip Festival one year. So it all comes full circle. I'm curious, like I don't even know if you could if you could identify this, but if you had a pie chart of like young Hollywood kids that grew up in the mix. What was the, what was the venue at the whiskey that I think maybe that was Nick that did that. I was here and Evan Bogart. I was here legendary stories about this, like all ages club they used to put on, but yeah. like kids that grew up in the mix versus, yeah, they were bad kids, gotten in a lot of trouble, but they figured it out versus and, yeah. hard for life. You know, I had a lot of those friends, like, and when you grow up with so much ac access to everything, um, you almost don't have to try so hard to succeed or to be a better person is <laughs> something that I've noticed. I've noticed that a lot of people, and that doesn't go with everybody. Some people actually have it in them, whether they were, you know, given everything or not. And some people just 
yeah, just didn't um, get it together or have any motivation to be a better person, you know what I mean? Or to work hard on something, anything, you know, like even if you, some of my friends, I'm like, even if you don't need money, um, what's something great that you could be doing so that you're not just like sitting home doing drugs and feeling bad for yourself. You know what I mean? Like why, you know, like some of my friends, I'm like, oh, you could be putting together like this crazy charity. You could be trout, you know, you could like, I wish I had the ability to just, you know, take the oxygen mask off myself and put it on others. Um, but it's just so hard when people, when people, yeah, uh, I guess I, I feel really happy that I didn't have all the excess um um because I would have been a terrible human being <laughs> yeah I would have just been like f everything whatever you know like think I needed you know I guess sometimes the universe gives you what you need but I definitely needed um yeah to do everything for myself and now for my daughter well and it it shows because it seems like you've always been a really hard worker. Even before it was a trend, you were living this multi-hyphenate career, right? Like, you know, you were DJing, you were making and producing music and modeling. Is that yep. right? Yep, all of it, yeah. Yep, I even had some some movie experience. Um, yeah, I was always, and you know, I, I remember my first manager, it was Andrew Shack. do you know him? Um, I think so. Yeah, he was a the head of capital, not capital, sorry, priority records. Um, anyway, he, I remember him saying to me one day because I had a record deal with Sony in Japan. And then I also had my movie coming out with Summit called Sorority Row, which is like this horror film, but it did go to all the theaters. And it, you know, I have still have fans from that to this day. It's a silly horror film. And um, I remember him saying to me, well, you're just the jack of all trades and the master of none. And he was like, and I was just like, God, this Gemini in me, I just can't just focus on just one thing. I love being creative. I love, you know, and he always told me that if you just listened to me and you just did DJing, you would have been the biggest DJ in the entire world. And I just never did it. And every time I run into him, he's like, he's like, all I got to say is you were the most talented. You could have been the best and you effed it up. And um, yeah. no, 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 no. I, I completely disagree with that because <laughs> in the spirit of trusting the process, yeah, like looking at where you are right now, uh, you're a mom. Yes. Right. Do you have one or two? I have one. I have one daughter. Um, she, her name is Isabella and she is my everything. She is amazing. Yeah. And who wants to be in the clubs all night in like Sweden or Vegas at this point in your life? And now, like and you are on the brink of something that already is truly great and like creating a legacy above and beyond just DJing. So Andrew, <laughs> but like, this is what I love that you're a DJ and I love this episode is gonna be called The Remix. Oh, cool. Because if you really boil down to the spirit of the remix, and man, in the 90s, there were the best remixes everywhere. Like, oh, yeah. a song would come out, yep. and it would be a hit, but to sustain momentum, you would throw on a remix that just elevated it to the next level. Like, one of my favorite remixes, when I was working at KISS, I always used to make the DJs play... Uh, the Usher You Remind Me remix that had uh, Method Man and Blue Cantrell on it. Oh, cool, 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 yeah. This is yeah. such a good song and then it flipped it and it gave it new life. And that's what I see really has happened to your career. So tell everybody how you got here. 
So I, yeah, so I started, I remember I dropped out of high school. Yeah. Everyone's like, what's your completed, you know, level of school. And I, my last completed grade was ninth grade. I, I walked in, I said, you know, this just isn't for me. And I did a UE and I got on an airplane and I went to New York and I had a really rough go in New York. Um, a lot of bad things happened to me and my friends. Um, and I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not going to let that like define me and I'm just going to be even stronger and be just, I just became, I've just kind of put on like this kind of shell and just became this kind of like really tough DJ, you know what I mean? And I remember like, because I would, I was girly and I would wear like girly things and I would get bullied. And, you know, at that time it wasn't cool to be a female DJ. It was like, who's this chick taking my jobs? You know what I mean? Like super, super bullied by male DJs, like crazy. The only DJ that actually had my back in the beginning was DJ AM. Hmm. Um, and he was the best remixer of all time. I mean, he could take songs and just blow your mind. He was the only person that I would be on the dance floor and I'd be like, oh, oh every single mix just blew my mind. And that was just like something that was so incredibly cool to me. And he would come to my shows or, or I even remember I opened for him and Travis Barker one night and um, he was, you know, when they had their DJ drum duo and he was backstage and he was texting me like, what, what the hell was that shit mix? Or, oh, good mix. Like, da, da, da. like just kind of staying on it and like really giving a crap and giving me, you know, the time of day, which is super cool. Um, and then I got really lucky I got a record deal um with Sony in Japan and I put out like one of the first female DJ kind of mixtapes um had billboards everywhere tower records like all of that was super cool and then I got one of the first female DJ residencies in Vegas at the Hard Rock and I had billboards everywhere and I was there every weekend and it was massive and it was so much fun um but I really did fall subject to the party lifestyle and the drugs and alcohol. And um, there were many nights when I just was like praying that I was gonna be awake in the morning and alive in the morning, you know? So many nights. And after I would just be like, please, if I, I won't do this again, like just if I can, you know, make it through the night. Yeah, it was really bad. And I was definitely in and out of different AA situations, didn't have the money for rehab, um, that type of stuff, you know? Um, I didn't wanna go either. And, and not do shows or not work, you know? Um, so, and, that, and that's the hardest thing that I think so many people don't think about. Like if you're living a creative lifestyle and you're trying to make a big change, you yeah. still have to work and your work environment doesn't support being healthy. Absolutely. So the truth is, is like, I was going hard for many years. The fact that I don't look a thousand years old is like just a testament to my parents' genes because I, I mean, when people say like, you look a lot younger than you are. And I'm like, mm, must be all the drugs and alcohol. It just like froze my body. You know what I mean? Um, it, um, it, yeah. So I, I don't know how I survived a lot of those nights. And I, I'm so, I feel like my mom like gave me my daughter just to like, stop me in my tracks because one thing I would never do would be harm her you know what I mean in any way so I got pregnant and that's when I remember doing like two shows or like three shows pregnant I was also signed to Universal at the time and this was like right before the the movement the femme movement and I'm not going to say 
that they dropped me because I was pregnant, but I did hide my pregnancy for like eight months, um, as long as I could. And then Natalie LaRose, I'm in the studio with her at like four in the morning working on a track. We covered Gypsy Woman. It was amazing. Um, it did really well. And she tweeted out like this boss, you know, up in here at four in the morning, super pregnant, working in the studio. Next day I get a call from A&R. Is it true? Is it true? And then, yeah, I also lost my, um, I had a t-shirt deal at the time, like all this great merch deal. And like, they emailed me and they were like, nobody would want to buy, buy a t-shirt from a pregnant DJ. Like it was a really rough time and I was really sad and I would hate that my my introduction to being a mom and being pregnant was like a negative experience um I didn't like being pregnant I didn't I felt trapped um I was definitely like one of those like just it didn't I just you know I didn't have a mom I didn't know anything about that type of stuff so I was I was I'm still regretful for how much I was miserable at that time. Um, but I'm definitely like so happy now. And she saved my life. I even have this tattoo on my hand. I don't know if you can see it, but it says stay. Mm. It means like stay alive and for her and, you know, and it's definitely, um, the best thing that ever happened to me. And I'm really, really, really happy now. So I was just not one of those women that was like meant to be in a normal, you know, marriage, stay home, this and that, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm definitely, you know, I'm single again. <laughs> so I think maybe I was just meant to be a mom and be creative and put all my energy there. You, you talked about when you found out you were pregnant, that your daughter really saved your life. Yeah. And I'm curious at that moment, were you able to just quit cold turkey? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, listen, right away when I knew that I had a little human in my body, like I, I mean, I even went straight to the doctor because like, like I had been partying and, you know, mushrooms and things like that all the way up until the point that I, you know, found out, um, I was pregnant. So I went straight to the doctor and I was like, is everything okay? What have I done? You know? And like in a panic state and I, and, um, luckily, you know, everything is fine, but yeah, no, I definitely stopped right away. And I think that's what also made it a very like crazy mental sadness for me because my life completely changed within a matter of, you know, days really. Yeah. I have, I have so much empathy. We talked about creatives, right? That sometimes get wrapped up in difficult things and it's even more difficult because even if you want to do better, your job is to be out in a lifestyle where everybody is going nuts every single night in a nightclub. And, right. um, before we start talking about the remix and how your life has completely changed, I mean, yeah. not completely changed. You're still very connected to music and you're still known as a top DJ. But before we do that, I, I just wanted to say or share a little information I have. I don't know if you've ever heard about Music Cares, but I've done some stuff with Music Cares. I don't know exactly. I don't remember exactly what, um, cause it was a long time ago, but of course, yeah. Well, they're like a safety net for creatives or anybody working in music because often people don't have insurance. Right. Often they don't know how to live a sober lifestyle in their job. And Music Cares helps from everything. Like I've known bands that have booked their first little indie band national tour. And yeah. 
jumped in the van, got on the road, and the first night their band with all their equipment got stolen. Oh my God. The cares jumped in and found them replacement equipment. I know somebody who had worked in music, but more on the promotions and marketing side, but very freelance. Mm -hmm. And she was in, in between jobs, didn't have health insurance and found out she had skin cancer. And, you know, imagine going and like having to go to a clinic and have them operate on your face. So like music cares jumped in, but they do help a lot with people that struggle with addiction or healthcare. So um, I just, I just was thinking of that as a resource as we were talking about everything you went through, but then, so now you get to a point you're pregnant, you have this unbelievable gift, magnificent little being coming into the world. And did you just think like, I might need to do something different. No, not right away. I was totally of the mindset of like, and by the way, I, I know that this looks like a crazy mess back here, but we, it's like a costume room for my girlfriend's photography. Anyway, um, audio audio only. Okay. Okay. Great. 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 Okay. Phew. I, um, so I actually was of the mindset of like, okay, I'm going to pop this baby out. I'm going to work on my album for universal, um, I'm going to, this whole time that I'm pregnant, baby's going to come out and I'm going to jump right back into life that I had before. Um, I really wasn't mentally prepared for how much it literally like hits the brakes and changes your life. I was like totally against becoming this traditional, um, stay at home mom. I, I guess because I never had one. I just had like this full, like, just like it was not me, you know? So I was just like, I'm going to, yeah, no, I'm not going to tell anybody. It was really hard for my husband at the time because I hid my pregnancy for eight months. Like he was, he was really having a hard time with the fact that he wasn't able to share like this excitement with anybody. Um, but I knew at the time that if anybody knew, like I was not going to be able to keep booking shows and, you know, keep making music. And I was right. You know, the moment people found out, like, everything changed. And it's funny. It's like, when you're really famous, like, you know, Gwen Stefani big and you get pregnant, you're on the cover of every magazine and everybody's praising you and sending you honest packages. But when you're on the rise, um, I can't tell you how many girlfriends of mine got pregnant on the rise and then got dropped and forgotten about. And it was, um, it's, I'm sure it's still happening. Like, I don't know. It's just a very, it's still not fully evolved in that space. Um, and it wasn't during my run. So. Well, and it's not going to be until we show some signs of life and actually give maternity leave to everybody. There's those horrific statistics, right? Of how many days other countries give women is a minimum, you know, for maternity leave. And then in the U S it's zero. I mean, you need that time and you need to not feel guilty about that time because I like, I was mad. I was mad that I was pregnant and that's not the energy any woman wants. Um, you know, I was mad that I was like kind of stuck at home. And this is something that women don't talk about. They all pretend like they just love being pregnant. They love being, um, you know, moms right away. And there is a whole, and I'm sure I'm going to get shipped for this, but there's a whole big group of women that it's really hard for them. And they, you know, they are hardworking. They are entrepreneurial. They are like, you know, business women, and they, it's, it's like that life is over for like three years. You know what I mean? It's really hard unless you have the money to have 
you know, a 24, you know, hour, seven day a week nanny. Um, but then really like, then you're feeling guilt in that way too. So it's just like, you do need that time. And I think that, you know, it's, it's unfair, um, that women have to compete, you know, and like, I was even talking about PMS the other day with a friend because it's such a real thing, but we all have to pretend like it's not because it's become such a joke and a stigma that like, I, I PMS like crazy. And I like get like a little depressed and this and that. And like, if I told anybody that like in my workspace, it would just be like, Oh, the girl's PMSing. Like she can't like, you know, get it together today or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it would almost like you have to pretend like all of these things are not real in your body to like stay the CEO or stay, you know, the, the entrepreneur that you um, want to be. And it's really awful. I know. I mean, I went through that when I was going through fertility things, right? Like you're dashing off to all these doctor's appointments. You want to keep it secret because you don't know if it's going to work. You don't want it to change the perception of where things are going. And then on top of that, your body is being shot up with all these hormones. And I was crying left and right. And everyone just thought I was being a bitch or like you know, flaking out, but what's the alternative? Yeah, that's so hard. I'm totally one of those people that just burst in, into tears. I can't yeah. like find When it. I get I, mad, yeah, not because, not because I'm fragile and sensitive, but if I get mad at you, instead of punching you in the face, I will cry because yeah. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it's all so real and it's like so, sad that we have to like pretend like it's not in order to be like taken seriously yeah. i wonder how we can support each other better i'm such an activator anytime we i deep dive on some bullshittery i'm always like how can i do better how can i do better yeah like how can we do better i mean i i definitely know that in my company um i've made a rule that i only want to work with people that you know um get me and like that i vibe with um and that you know, will give me the leeway I need to do my job and be also be a human and be a mom and I'll do the same for them. So it's really worked out with my business partners. Um, it's amazing. We give each other like space, but we also get all of our work done in like such a healthy, um, understanding way. And just as we continue to like grow the company, we're going to, I'm definitely, definitely going to be one of those companies that you want to work for <laughs> without a doubt. Yeah. Awesome. So let's talk about your company. So yeah. you have your daughter, pizza girl. When did you get to the sauce? <laughs> okay. So finally, okay. I'm pregnant. I know I, I had my baby. I fly to the Philippines. I remember, and I had to leave her home and my breasts are just like filling up with milk and I can't, you know, do it enough on the airplane. And I was just like, finally, I just having a meltdown. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Um, you flew and, to the Philippines to DJ? Yeah, to DJ oh, after oh, having my baby, right after having my baby. And um, my husband, yeah, it was just crazy. And it was just like, I, that's when I was just like, I broke down. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I called Sujit. Um, he was actually one of the people that did have my back throughout the whole thing, which is really cool. Um, and he, uh, I called him and I was like, I just need, I need to, to, basically remix my life right now. And he actually wrote, he actually spoke in an article not that long ago about how I was one of the, one of his DJs that he really respected because she like, you know, went off and kind of 
he knows that there's a there's a shelf life for DJs, right? I mean, it's cool if you make it so big like Tiesto, like you can, you know, put out tracks and be 90 years old and, you know, go up there. But, you know, for like these club DJs that work all the time, there is a shelf life, um, especially when you're a woman and it's crazy. But I said, I need, I can't be out every night because I would go out DJ and then have to come home to my daughter who's awake at four in the morning. And then oh, I never good Yeah, it was insane. I'd be home by two, three, and then have to start DJing. And it was, compl- I mean, to have to start being a mom. And it was just so hard. So I finally had to stop. And I remember, so I would also, I own Demore's Pizza. So my family owns Demore's Pizza. And my husband and I, at the time, we took over one um, on Third Street. Um, and just the restaurant business in general, working with my family in general was absolutely just day-to-day like nightmare um and I um I was just like always buying jarred sauce because I didn't have time and I just didn't understand why there wasn't something that spoke to me as like a hard-working millennial mom but still liked quality you know organic no sugar added something that my I could feel good about feeding my daughter my daughter literally eats pizza girl right out of the jar and I feel good about it because I know what's in it And I was just like, why is there nothing that tastes amazing and that has all these qualities? So I really found like a gap in an already super saturated market, which is like a really good thing to do because even though people say it's scary um, because there's so many options, but there's not an option like Pizza Girl. Um, I'm sure that there will be a lot to follow, but um, it's the first one that is that, that speaks to my generation, that cares about the environment. You know, we did, we completely eliminated bubble wrap in our shipping because I was like, I cannot do, I can't start a company with and add to this like problem that we're having, you know? So we, we made these super expensive, like our margins are kind of shit because of it, but at least I feel better about my, my, you know, my footprint. Um, and yeah, we completely eliminated bubble wrap in our shipping of heavy glass jars, which is really hard to do. Um, and just and Carolyn, I have a question and I don't want this to sound like judgmental or condescending at all, like real question, because I think it's so easy for us to get stuck in a box, right. Of who we are and what we're capable of. You mentioned dropping out of school really early. And then even though you, you know, are very smart, also worked in a business for a really long time where you had an agent and somebody doing the business and booking you. How did you shift into this entrepreneurial mindset so quickly and understand packaging, distribution, or even price points and your value? Yep. I didn't understand any of it. Um, and I just taught myself one day at a time and you have to have like a blind faith in yourself. You have to really just believe in yourself, um, and just not take no for an answer. And that's just, that's the way I've always been. And I, I was like, Nope, I don't care what you say. This is the best. Everybody told me I wasn't going to get shelf space. Everybody told me that it was crazy that my labels were pink and baby blue and teal when that space is all, you know, orange and green and grandma's face and male, male dominated with like, you know, um, the Rayos, the Newmans, like all of that. So I, I was like, I don't care what they say. And then, so I just started one thing at a time, you know, first I just sat there and Googled. I'll tell anybody I was talking to someone last night at the park who was like, I have a product and what do I do? How do I start? I said, just sit down and get your computer open and Google how to make 
um, this, and then it'll take you to um, people who help you package this. So the first thing I found was um, a one-stop shop with like a food scientist um, and they can help you make your labels, right? So, and your packaging. I ended up not going with the packaging that they made. I wasted a lot of money. And then I was like, no, I like my own kind of drawing here. And I drew it with my friend. And so you just get little, you just start. That's what I say. It's like, people have the hardest time just starting because they, they're looking at this big picture, but just sit down and start the very first step. Right. And then it'll lead you to the next step. So then that person told me about this factory in Santa Paula, this old, um, uh, old factory that does like little jams and things like that. They were very mom and pop, Butch in Burma. I'll never forget them. I was in there with a hairnet on, jarring my own jars of sauce all day long, you know, blister fingers. And I was like, this is crazy, you know? And then I just, I was like, I'm going to, the sauce is so good. I taste tested it against every single jar on the shelf. And one thing I know is quality sauce and like what it should taste like. So I'm to this day, I have to go to the factory for every single run. Um, the, one of the reasons my investors invested is because of my, my knowledge of taste and um, the cooking method of it all. So I, I just one step at a time. And then that factory, I took that jar of sauce and I walked into Erwan on Beverly and they were like, this is not how you do this. And I was like, well, this is how I'm doing it today. Is there anybody I can talk to? They, you know, walked me upstairs. Luckily, Erwan was still small enough at the time. The office was right upstairs and I met Vicky Osana and she tasted it right there at her desk. And she gave me all five locations just like that. And then I ran back to the factory and I was like, we have all these orders. What do we do? And um, I had a lot of big bumps in the road. Um, I, my factory couldn't handle the orders and they, they um, really botched a batch really, really badly. And um, instead of, there's like all these cooking methods and times that you have to follow. And they just kind of skipped all of that and just poured it all in, heated it up to the, you know, regulated level and then just sent it out. And I had to, I was crying on the floor. It tasted like garbage. I literally had to go to supermarkets and like buy everything that I found. I mean, it was crazy. And then I, and then I solved that issue. Um, a friend of mine gave me a loan and I, you know, took that loan and I, I, I rebought all my ingredients and solved it. And then the pandemic hits, sell out of every jar in two days. I lose all my shelf space. I'm on the phone trying to source ingredients. And they're like, sorry, the big companies, the huge companies that I won't name names, but they bought up all the organic farms. They put out big embargoes on every big farm so that the little guys were just literally couldn't do anything. I sat there with the girlfriend crying, writing a letter to every single one of my supermarkets. And then I wrote, you know, I'm so sorry, you know, cause when you lose shelf space, you don't get it back. Like that's your shop, you know? But luckily I was, I was like sending, you know, cards and emails to every single one of my people. And I just kept them like along for the ride in a way. And they felt for me and they gave me my shelf space back. I came back. I, after, after my divorce, I lost everything again, you know, like it was just insane. And the fact that I just never gave up, if you never give up and you have like blind faith in yourself <laughs> and you just take one step and lead it to the next step, I finally fought in the divorce. I got pizza girl, the name back a hundred percent. Um, and I 
found some investors that believed in me. I worked for weeks on an investor deck and had to prove why I was worth something, why my company was worth something when it had zero sales and, you know, um, failure after failure under its belt. Um, I just had to convince and make promises and I did. And now we're in, you know, almost 300 supermarkets, all the Whole Foods in Southern California, all the Gelson's, um, Bristol Farms, Air One, and growing like crazy, Utah, Hawaii, Vegas, Arizona. It's exciting. That's so unbelievable because like you said, people just don't start. Yep. And years can go by with them thinking that uh, they should do something or they could do something, but they're not ready. And I love that you just start started and every failure along the way. It's easier to say in hindsight made you stronger, but to have the tenacity to keep doing it. And it's funny. I really appreciate it because as I mentioned, even though I knew who you were as a DJ for a long time, we just sat down for dinner a couple weeks ago for the first time and talked and I meet you and I'm like, oh, rad. She's one of the biggest DJs in the world and she does fashion and she does modeling and she makes music and she makes pizza sauce. That's great, but not knowing the struggle or the fear or you know, all of the problem solving you needed to do in the past couple of years. And I think it's important that people hear everything and that even as tough as it gets, there could be a gigantic upside just on the other side of this. Absolutely. Let me tell you, like when I was like, oh my God, I've lost it all from like everything from my marriage to my this and my that. I mean, you know, I, I, I lost everything. And then I was just like, I sat there and I just worked, you know, you have to just start. That's the biggest thing. Everybody has an excuse why they haven't started their big thing or their big idea or their big dream. They're like, Oh, I need funding or, Oh, I can never do it without, you know, the knowledge of this and that. And it's not true. You just have to start because nobody can invest in something. That's just a puff of an idea. Right. So I had something for them to taste. I had something, you know, um, I had visuals. I had a, I had a deck, you know what I mean? So just start. That's all you got to do. Start and then just keep going and it'll come together. So tell everybody where they can get the sauce. I know you rattled off a few grocers, but you ship also, right? You, yes, we ship, um, bubble wrap free at pizzagirl.com. Um, yep. And you can get our marinara, our vodka sauce and our arabiata. And they're all so delicious and so fresh. And you guys all got to come check it out. And then we're growing into supermarkets and definitely ask your local supermarket to bring in pizza girl, because you think that doesn't work, but it does. We get calls now and it's like, oh, you're being requested. Can we order? I'm like, yes. So word of mouth helps guys. There's a really cool co-op in Culver City. I'm on the case. Okay. Yeah. I'm on the case. Uh, And I also just think that's an awesome Christmas present too, right? For people you care about and want to give them a little something, but we all have so much that we don't need, but who can't use some sauce? Delicious pasta sauce. No, I've been bringing it to parties instead of wine. And it's like, people are so grateful. They're like, we have plenty of wine. Like, this is amazing. I'm so excited. And actually we did get in trouble because one person was so upset. They got a box. We made these really cute boxes and they say pizza girl on the side. And this woman ordered it as a surprise for her husband. And she was so mad that we ruined the surprise because it said pizza girl on the side. 
I was like, well, listen, like, I'm so sorry. We apologize. There's nothing we could do about it. We made these, you know, cute boxes. And I don't know. I, I definitely felt bad that her surprise was ruined, but the boxes are cute, you know? <laughs> what is the difference ingredient-wise between pasta sauce and pizza sauce? So pizza sauce has less flavor. So it doesn't have as much like, you know, sauteed garlic and onions. It's just more flat because the flavor really comes from, you know, the dough and the cheese and the toppings. You don't want to like overpower. But honestly, I've been making pizzas with all my sauces and you that's just like the traditional way to do it. But I love like flavorful pizzas. Like I'm thinking like, you know, pestos and white sauces and spicy sauces. And yeah, so next year we're going to be releasing a whole line of um, pizza sauces that are going to be all, all adventurous. That's awesome. That would be my mom pro tip. Like for kids that don't want to eat vegetables or anything, we do make your own pizza bar all the time. And you put things in cute little dishes and stuff and they want their pizza to be colorful and have all these things. And that's been my greatest weapon towards experimenting and trying new things. All right. Well, I, I'm so excited that we get to spread the word. I'm so inspired by your story. I definitely see a book in your future. Have you thought about that? So I have. There was one person that Kate reached out to me that is a book um, agent who is very interested in a book. I already have the name for it, too, but I'm scared to, uh, you know, put it out there. But I know someone named Betsy B. Murphy who just released a book and it's called Write On and every single day it gives you a prompt to help start writing your story. And that's so in line with what we were saying with just start. Instead of trying to write a narrative start to finish, like just get all the pieces of the puzzle then put it together. I love that. Yeah. I absolutely want to do that at some point. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm excited. Well, the title is from, from party girl to pizza girl. So (laughs) that's perfect. And I love also, I mean, you are still, you DJ on special occasions, right? Are you still making music? Yep. Well, not as much. No, I'm not making music anymore. Yeah. I do so like for fun, you know, but no, and that's one thing that maybe I'll dip into later in life. But right now it's like, it's, all of me to be, um, you know, a good mom and the CEO of Pizza Girl. So it is funny. I don't know if you agree. You were talking about the rough transition of like stepping into motherhood. But for me, I feel like I had the same vision as you. I thought moms were like at home in a house coat, like Teletubbies on the TV. And I just thought I wouldn't be cool. But as I become a parent, I mean, I am 110% the same person. (laughs) (laughs) And it feels like a stronger, better version of myself. But I constantly am surprised at how much I'm the same. Right? I mean, mean, me too. I mean, after you get through like the first couple years, which is really hard, you know, like that, that time was really hard for me. I am now it's like, God, I'm so grateful. I just feel so lucky. My daughter is like such a angel, you know, like definitely sent here to keep me in line and (laughs) just make me a better person. So I feel, um, yeah, just seeing her little, like, just the little funny things she says and her mannerisms and like knowing that a lot of that comes from me. It's just, it's really healing. Honestly, it's like healed me from my, 
my trauma as a child. Um, I, I will, I will say that to anybody out there who had a rough go in the beginning of their lives, having a child is so healing because you're almost like, I've had these visions of like my mom holding me when I'm holding her, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's very like you get to do and be what you didn't have. And it's so healing to, instead of pass on your torture and your, you know, everything, you know, and, and keep it going instead and change for, you know, for your younger you, your younger generation. So it's cool. Talk about the remix. Woo woo. Okay. Thank you so much for taking the time. I, I really have enjoyed hearing your story and uh, can't wait to get Pizza Girl for everybody. And uh, this will officially wrap up the Idea Fountain Holiday Shopping Guide. Awesome. Thank All right. You. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Thank you for having me. You're awesome. That's a wrap on 2021 and the Idea Fountain. I'm Julie Pilot. I'm telling you, if you need a last minute gift, grabbing a bottle or a set of Pizza Girl pasta sauce is a classy move. Thanks a million for listening all year long, leaving reviews on the podcast page, following us on social media, or sharing episodes with friends, and just being a big part of my life. I can't wait to see what 2022 brings for all of us. I hope you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.